Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. For every hour and month and year that we are here to love, regardless of how much we talk, we tell, we touch, no matter what we suffer through. Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with the industry's biggest names. As always, I'm your host, Alan Seals, and the music you just heard is to open the episode is called Can I Ever Know You from Hulu's new original music series called Up Here, which sadly means that this is the fourth and final episode of the Up Here Podcast Takeover. If you have not already, please go back and listen to the previous three episodes in the feed. This episode is now with Andrea Burns, who plays Rosie, who, as she puts it, is a lovely combination of Jewish and Latin mothers, something she has experience with on both fronts. She's an amazingly passionate and successful Broadway star who also happens to be an adjunct professor at Yale. And at one point in the interview goes as far to say that musical theater, by using your whole body to perform, is one of the few very uh, is one of the very few total body ultimate forms of expression. So that's a fun little uh, uh, conversation we get into. Once you're done listening to this episode, make sure you go listen to the entire Up Here soundtrack, 21 original songs, of course, written by Bobby and Kristen Lopez. It's out now everywhere you stream your music. And as always, as we've done in this takeover, instead of my normal transition music, here's a cut from a song from up here called Please Like Me. Here you go. Like me. Before you pass judgment upon me or unleash your temper on me and get all upset and cry and curse. sell it, I have bought it. If you yell it, I have thought it way, way worse. Please like me. I need you to like me. Today's guest is a Drama Desk Award winner, having originated the role of Daniela, the saucy hairdresser, in Lynn Manuel Miranda's Tony Award winning Broadway musical In the Heights. Other Broadway credits include On Your Feet, The Rose Tattoo, Beauty and the Beast, and The Full Monty. She was in the original cast of Songs for a New World opposite Billy Porter and was selected personally by Stephen Sondheim to create the role of Celeste in his musical Saturday Night. She can be heard on the soundtracks for the film versions of In the Heights, Tick Tick Boom, and Vivo, one of my kids' personal favorites, by the way. And among many TV and film credits, she was seen recently in The Electric Company, Wonder Pets, Jessica Jones, and Steven Spielberg's recent West Side Story. Now she can be seen as Rosie in the original musical comedy series Up Here, now streaming on Hulu, Andrea Burns. Welcome to the Theater Podcast. Thank you. Wow. That was a nice little intro. My goodness. Well, I've been around done, for a minute, I guess. Yeah, you've done a couple things. <laughs> so it's uh, it's easy to talk about. It's so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, of course. I I um you're you're in the show with Katie Finner and as well and up here and I think I, I you guys have been like besties forever, right? Yes. We met when we were 14 years old. We were not going to the same school. We lived in Miami. 
And uh, yeah, a lot of people don't know that Katie is a Miami girl. And we uh, were at some kind of theater conference. And uh, we, I think that's where I saw her for the first time. And then we went to this music camp. It was like four weeks. No, it's sorry. It was one week long at University of Miami. And I think we just sniffed each other out like, wow, you're in it to win it. You know, <laughs> I'm really into this. So are you. Let's hang out. So we became friendly. And then a couple of years later, they finally opened a high school for the performing arts in Miami. We both got in and we were inseparable. So uh, yes, we were. And we were inseparable during high school. We moved to New York at the same time. Long before we had boyfriends or husbands, we were each other's spouse. Pretty much. <laughs> work, we kept each other fed. Houses. Yeah, we made we made sure the other one had money. We shared an audition dress. Um, we we have a lot a lot of history together. <laughs> I did I did think about <laughs> the sharing of clothing. Uh, Correct. Yeah, yeah we that's could only actually, afford one. That's very very cool. Um, it, that answers my my next question that I was going to sort of get into was uh, your background and where you grew up. But it sounds like Miami, right? Obviously, yeah. you just mentioned that. And do you remember the point in your life when when you realized that performing was what you had to do? Do you have a touchstone, a, a, a moment where you were like, that's it. I'm going to do that and nothing else. Um, I can't really pinpoint it to one performance. I wish that I could, but I, uh, I was raised on movie musicals my dad loved them so he used to show me every movie musical in existence and i just really loved that i i couldn't believe and and from a young age i knew i could sing the fact that you could use your singing voice to actually tell a story and act was really intriguing to me really exciting to me so i would say i was drawn to the musical theater from a very early age just by the appeal of the medium itself. It wasn't pop singing. It wasn't um, opera singing. It was this thing where you used all different styles to communicate story and emotion. I just love that. Right? So I said, sign me up. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I, I was the same way. I, I grew up on the VHS tapes of West Side Story, ironically. Yes, uh, of course. Music Man and Singing in the Rain. So yes. those three, Amazing. I, I, I was the same way. I didn't I didn't have any any particular moment where I was like, this is what I have to do. It just always was in my head of, I love this. I love the movement and the singing and the expression. And if, speaking personally, coming from a, a family dynamic that doesn't, or didn't express emotion very well. I was drawn to people who did. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Because you saw that it was possible, right? <laughs> your little, right? I mean, the little human in you was like, no, humans can actually do this and engage in a really open 
and vulnerable way. Um, oh, I love that. I love those rear tapes for us. For me, definitely West Side Story, OG, Fiddler on the Roof, mm. huge. I was obsessed with Topol and his performance uh, in that RIP. Just one of the best performances ever, I think. And um, But like Brigadoon, Carousel, Oklahoma, uh, Showboat, all all the hits, all the movie yeah. musicals. I just I just loved it. Yeah, and and it's it's very uh, interesting because you said you knew you could sing. Um, I was yeah. just always drawn the same way to to chorus, and I did a boys chorus, yeah. and then madrigal, and then some other things. And and where have they gone? Right? Where has madrigal and boys chorus gone? It's such a happy memory I have. I love singing. One of the biggest thrills of working on In the Heights was all of the choral singing, all of the harmonies, all of the vocal arrangements, also songs for a new world. Like that's a happy place for me is harmonizing and blending with others. And I'm sad to see that a lot of uh, schools don't have that culture anymore. Yeah, there, there's something, a special place in my heart for Forever Plaid because the, yeah. the all-male four-part so tightly like right. tight knit harmony nothing better nothing i love that kind of singing i love when you're just like just off of somebody in a in a purposeful way so it makes this uh this harm oh god you can't you can't beat that it's it's i agree it's brilliant it's beautiful um you mentioned songs through a new world i thought it was just funny that uh uh obviously an original cast with billy porter yeah. both of you have gone on to do amazing things and and talking about old friends uh you had said in Something else that I had seen recently that um, you brought videos of him into the delivery room. <laughs> not, right? videos. Vi- not, not videos. Not videos. Not uh, videos. Audio recordings. Uh-huh. Um, Billy sang at my wedding. Yes. And um, yes, I asked him to put together a collection. It was before he had his own albums and uh, a collection of his recordings because I thought, well, when I bring into a child into this world, I want Billy Porter to be the first voice. <laughs> The first voice he hears, you know, I, there's just something about Billy's uh, soul that really speaks to me, his musicianship and his heart um, that I'm so thrilled for his incredible, you know, his global success and his fabulousness um, that is now known worldwide. But he is, I think he's a consummate artist and music maker. And uh, he's just always, his voice has always been really important to me. I agree. I it's it's one of those sort of um, cultural icons of our generation. I mean, mm-hmm. and and you are too. That just the way that that I think you and God. Now that I'm saying it out loud, like you and Katie and Billy and and Lynn and uh, people of your friend group, right? It is a friend group. Yeah, yeah. Because you're and and this takes me straight into up here because after talking with Tommy Kale and Sonia Taya and the Lopez's and Stephen Levinson, every single one of you makes art because you fricking love it. Not because you have to, (laughs) but because you, you need to, and you love doing it. And I asked, I asked Sonia, I asked Tommy when I was talking with Sonia and um, when I was talking with Sonia and Tommy together, you know, I was like, is this the first time you guys had worked together? And, and Tommy was like, yeah, but I've always known Sonia and I wanted to work with her. And I was like, what about it? And and so what you just said reminds me of what he said was 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 that like you 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 surround yourself with people. You have people that do it because you have because you love it. You don't make art because it's it's something 
uh, what am I trying to say? It's just like it's part of who you are, and you're all good people and attracted to making art for the sake of art. You're making yes. beauty. What you're what you're doing is beautiful and filled with love because you love doing it. Correct, and it's really fun when you see others people who care that deeply about the same thing you care about, and it tracks all the way back to meeting Katie when we we're fourteen. Right. Yeah. You're there and you've got your kids, your friends in drama class or whatever. And then you spot someone from another school who is giving it everything the way you you are trying to give it everything. You think, wow, that person cares just as much as I do about this. This person is really turned on by this just the way I am. I want to talk to them because, you know, in my in my immediate friend group. They're just not a lot of people who care that much about this, (laughs) right? So we're really drawn to that. And that's one of the thrills of moving to New York and and coming here. And I'm I'm sure if you haven't seen New York, New York yet, this is a big theme of the story, which is why I love it so much. We come here and we meet the people who end up uh, affecting our lives, but we're drawn here because we all want to create, right? We all want to build something. We all want to find something that we just could not find at home, right? And we knew we had to come here and be where it was. And the people you meet along the way end up being the biggest gift of the of the journey, right? You think like, I just want to get to this thing. When I get on Broadway, that'll be it. But there's nothing more thrilling than the weeks we spent at 37 Arts developing uh, in the Heights, where Lynn was like sleeping in the, <laughs> we had like no dressing rooms. He was like sleeping in the aisles in between shows. And and we were all so turned on because we believed in this thing. And we really knew that if someone would take a chance on it, or if it would get picked up, it would be really big. And those those are the thrilling moments when you say, I think I'm sitting on something extraordinary. <laughs> I hope the whole world gets it. And I think that's why those of us from In the Heights are, are such a family because we all we all knew in our gut that it was what we had to do. We all believed in it. And we all jumped out of the airplane together, crossing our fingers and hoping that the world would receive us the way we were receiving the piece. We helped create and that's something. what it's all about. You helped create something that that legitimately changed theater, changed the face of of what we knew Broadway was possible of. And yes, I, and, and yeah, yeah. I, think, I was just going to say, like, we have Lynn to thank for saying, "Why not do this?" But that was the celebration of it. But remember that before we did this, we didn't know it was going to change the face of theater. Right. We just hoped people would really enjoy it as much as we did. We hoped it was as refreshing and exciting as we found it, and that hopefully people would get get as turned on by it as we did. But no, we were, you know, it's like nobody knows they're making history when they make it. You're just creating and doing the best you can. Right. And, uh, you know, it's exciting. Yeah. And I, it's I, the, that's the best part. You can't be self-conscious about it either. Well, again, yeah, you're doing it. You're doing it because you love it, and you love the friends, you love the environment, and you love sleeping in the aisles, and because that's just it's just part of of the experience of doing this stuff. And I I, I absolutely love uh, all of this, and because all of these people and Tommy Kale too, like was part of these original original conversations with you and Lynn. I mean, you've known Tommy for how many years now, right? And so did he bring you into? up here or did that did you get the audition for that and then you were like oh tommy's directing like how did that yeah, whole process pretty happen? much that's, oh, really? that's how it went 
that's how it went. I was, uh, you know, and I let him know. I was like, listen, you know, I'm going to see you in the audition. So I want you to, um, I just want to let you know I'm, I'm in the mix for this or, you know, it was, uh, you know, whatever. I was told about it. I see that you're doing this. If you think this is something right for me, you know, let's connect. And so um, I had a Zoom audition with the whole team that you've interviewed here, the Lopez's and Lev and, and Tommy. And, um, you know, it was a delight. And Tommy has been a great champion of mine uh, from the very beginning. In fact, when we did, um, when we were off Broadway in the Heights, uh, I made my first album and I asked Tommy to write the liner notes for that album mm -hmm. uh, because he was just someone who could always, uh, he really got me and he had a beautiful way of sort of articulating um, what, you know, what I brought to the party. And I always loved that. So he wrote me these beautiful uh, notes. And, and so even in that audition, which I know, you know, there were Hulu execs present and all that kind of thing. Um, I could sense him letting the whole room know how, uh, you know, how much he loved me, how, how, how skilled I was at what I did. And I really appreciated that. I was like, wow, he just really wants to advocate for me so that people know, you know, they're, I will deliver. They may not have heard of me, but that I, I am good for this, then I will deliver. And um, I'm glad that came across. Yeah. Oh, I, and I love the show too. Um, up here, it deals with, I mean, the, the voices inside our heads and everybody's got them. Everybody, everybody's got them. No, a lot of people don't want to admit that they've got them. Some people talk to them literally. Some people just re don't realize that they're influencing you. And uh, for those who may have not seen up here yet, who is Rosie in relation to our storyline? And when you first heard about Rosie, did it spark any, um, any familiarity with things in your own life? Oh, yes. So the, the up here centers around a romance between Lindsay and Miguel and in New York City, and I play Miguel's mom. And um, although we are a Latin family, as I told Tommy, um, I, I happen to be half Jewish. And so I told Tommy, this is the most Jewish mother I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is a Jewish mother who you wrapped up in a Latin mother. But I also love that like my Latin mom friends are like, yeah, I'm in there too. I can, <laughs> I can totally see that. Or my mom is in there. But I really, uh, ha being lucky enough to have come from a Jewish grandmother, my Jewish aunt, I know what it's like to have somebody walk around and say, you're the best. You don't need anybody. You're the best. You're the best, Mubala. Everything you do is Perfect, my Shana Madela, you're the best. So that is a beautiful thing to have around. And I, for one, really love that the writers, uh, in addition to all those critical voices in our heads, put her in there as as a cheerleader. Um, because ultimately, I'm a reflection of, I, I, he's pulling me up. It's his thoughts. Like, he's desperately trying to build himself up. And I think he, you know, he calls memories of me up to do that. And I think more of us need to focus on the positive things people have told us instead of really defining ourselves by the negative things people have told us. So I was like, I know exactly who this is. <laughs> and also, you know, the, the very Latin mama bear of like, nobody messes with my baby. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. And you know, I, I have, I have some of that too. I also happen to have a son I'm obsessed with. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 
who, yeah, Tommy has known since he was two years old. He's in college now, but, uh, you know, Tommy met him when he was, Tommy and Linda Hudson, I think when he was about two, two years old. So yeah, and he grew up, um, backstage in the Heights. It was a huge part of his life. Wow. So yeah, imagine, I mean, I was lucky enough to have all of these incredible, uh, male figures around, um, not to mention Luis Salgado who founded Revolución Latina and, um, you know, Seth Stewart, like just incredible people, Incre- Chris Jackson, yeah. people that he just, you know, looked up to. And I was very proud to have him uh, surrounded by. Um, so anyway, yes, I saw did- that and I said, I got this. <laughs> I know who this is. Did Did your son watch up here yet? And and can he watch it objectively? Or is he like, God, this is too this is too close to real life. I can't watch this. Well, I think the the subjective part happened when I got cast because he said to me, so let me get this straight. You're going to be on TV known as some other guy's mom. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, That feels weird to me. That guy is so that guy's going to be your son. Like, I'm not your son. That guy everyone's going to think is your son. So um but then we found out it was Carlos Valdez, mm-hmm. who, believe it or not, Hudson had met before. It's not wild. Really? Not only my husband had taught him in a master class because Carlos uh, sought me out. Let me think what this was. I think Carlos and my son Hudson were at a like a theater closing, a closing of a certain show and uh, with a lot of young people in it. So Carlos was back visiting some friends. Hudson was currently studying with those friends and Carlos came and found him and said, Hey, I th- is your father, Peter Flynn, my husband, who's a director and a teacher. And, uh, he said, yeah. He says, well, you know, I want you to know, like I came to New York on a high school trip. We had a master class with some Broadway professionals and your dad kind of changed my life. I was so knocked out by everything he said. And he just made such a huge impression on me and the way I approached my work. And, I remember Hudson just being like, how cool is that? Because Carlos was on The Flash at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so uh, he was like, oh, my God, the guy from The Flash, you know, uh, knows my dad. How cool is that? So then when we found out it was he who was going to be playing Miguel, it was just celebration all around. And my, my son said, OK, Carlos is cool. I'm cool with everyone thinking you're Carlos's mom. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. That's really, really cool. I love how that comes back and it, it just reinforces something that I've heard over and over again is it, it be the person that you that others want to work with the next time. And yeah. obviously you and your husband and I mean, even Carlos, too, if, if Carlos is, is cast in this role as obviously somebody that people want to continue to work with. I love that these little moments like that continue to circle right. back in people's lives. It's so beautiful. It is beautiful. And um, I think because of that history, it's like our our connection was pretty instant. I felt very connected to Carlos from the beginning. And, um, you know, I wasn't even face to face with him most of our scenes, right? Oh, right. Because he's not looking directly at you. Because yeah. he's not really looking at me. But um, so you you need that that connection and I, and I always felt that I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think he does beautiful work in this. Oh, absolutely. And, and Mae Whitman too, the two of them together. Oh, they're beautiful. They're absolutely fabulous, fabulous. Yeah, absolutely love it. And, and 
gosh, I guess there's been this um, sort of not not a research. I guess I'll say surgeons. If it's the first time it's happened, a surge, <laughs> a, a, <laughs> a res- surge, right? A surge of of musicals on TV and film, and in the last couple of years, and it's I, I think it's sort of kind of birthed out of necessity from from the pandemic, and like we lost theater and we lost Broadway and we lost the ability to get in person, so we started singing and dancing on TV, which is something that obviously you and I grew up on this stuff years and years ago decades ago but i think it it's been lost until the last couple of years so do you do you see that in 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 like your circles and your friend group of things that are coming your way for auditions and all this stuff of like there's now becoming a new surge of of movie musicals tv musicals and it started like you know with in the heights and and tick tick boom and all this stuff that just all of a sudden just appeared at the same time yes of course i would have died for there to be a show like up here on tv when i was a kid right or schmigadoon yeah right i mean it's incredible it's incredible what's happening now or as a matter of fact i remember when the into the woods movie came out and i saw it in miami i was home for like christmas and i was in a movie theater that i'd grown up going to my whole life and you know in 1987 when I was in Miami, alone in my room, listening to the Into the Woods uh, CD, memorizing every single word, it you could never have convinced me that down the road at the movie theater, they would be playing an into, a Sondheim movie and it would be packed. Mm-hmm. I was so shocked by that and so thrilled by that. Um, so I think it's wonderful. I think it's terrific that we're also reaching more of a global audience and there are a lot of ways to tell a story musically and it's we've been known in a very very narrow there's been a very very limited perception of what musicals are and can be and so we've been written off for a long time as something that is uh fake and frilly and you know uh inauthentic and those are certainly not three reasons I signed up for this. <laughs> you know, I love I love telling real human stories and um and the fact that you get to sing them is like an instant emotional connection. So I'm thrilled that people are gonna get to see more of that kind of theater. They're more exposed to that. And, you know, we're looking at the success of Parade now. You know, I was part of the original national tour mm-hmm. uh in two thousand and, you know, People weren't ready for that. They were like, how can this be such a serious story? And it's a musical. And uh, it shows you how much audiences have evolved that they are just, you know, the artists were, we were all in awe of it then. But audiences now have an appreciation for this kind of thing. And I just hope it continues. I don't know if it's history repeating itself or history just being unchanged, which is both, both of those are sad that it doesn't seem like we're making much progress. But I mean, parade specifically is something that we've got we've got to have, um, and then musical theater on TV and a global audience is something. I agree. I agree with you too that it's it's very very important to get. Um, we we'll go back to the emotional expression, right? The ability to really talk beyond just your standard uh, standing standing and talking sort of thing. It's like you're singing, you're moving, you're dancing. When you get your whole body involved in something, it's a level of expression that 
that unless you've done it before, you don't understand. It's the ultimate level of expression besides sex. Yeah. Yeah. It's rhythm. Rhythm, which is also sex. Rhythm is what holds (laughs) us all together. Right. But I mean, it's a way that your whole body is involved in communication in a way that you, uh, that you can do with anyone, right? It doesn't need, it doesn't require um, intimacy or you can have all of that within it, but this is a beautiful way of communicating with anyone um, because you're showing, you're, you're expressing with your whole body and an audience gets to watch the, the magnitude of that. The feelings can be so big. They have to be amplified through every mode of expression you've got. It's incredible. It's incredible. And I think that we, as art practitioners, do this as a service to, for humans who can't quite process emotions um, in a confrontational way or identify them for themselves, you can go to a, to a piece of theater and be deeply moved and have a cathartic experience just by witnessing what is happening and connecting on a level that you don't even have to share with anyone else. Oh I think my it's beautiful. gosh. I have, I have done hundreds of these interviews and you just blew me away with that comparison because you're absolutely right. It's, it's an extension of, and I wonder, I was gonna say it's an extension of, of people's love languages. And I wonder how many people yes. in the performing arts actually, um, you know, need need physical physical touch and physical interaction as part of their love language, right? Because they're getting into the arts, and y- you hear this all the time: people finding their tribe, their chosen family. The the when they don't have something at home, when they're not getting what they need at home, they they get it in a theater troupe. They get it in by singing. They get it by performing and it's, and expressing. And so I I just wonder. I, I wonder if anyone's ever done these studies to see like, oh, everyone who's made it on Broadway, all Broadway performers are this type of person in terms of love language or whatever i would be i don't have the answer to this by any stretch of the imagination but i think it'd be a very interesting study to to look into that sort of personality type yes well i mean you have to ultimately be comfortable being vulnerable but the the safe but in theater there is safety in numbers everyone in the room is playing on the same team so if we all agree to be vulnerable together that's quite a bonding experience Mm -hmm. and if the show flops Double bonding. <laughs> <laughs> right? Very true. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a traumatic experience to go through the rehearsal and, and ang- have your anxiousness of learning your lines and learning your choreography. And if something's hard and like the, the 12 hour days for tech and like all of that is it brings you together in a way that you don't get in your normal in your normal Correct. profession. Correct. I mean, I, I wouldn't call it traumatic by any means. I would call it just... A, a, the work requires a vulnerability and a and it obliges you to connect and share yeah. yeah and so if that's in the job description and you can't do it you can't really do the job so think about those as values in any workplace what a beautiful thing it is to know you're going to go to work and at some point you're going to do something you love you're going to do something that scares you you're going to be affirmed or you're going to receive direction and guidance to get better, not just opportunities for growth, right? Not just a note that says you're not doing this right, but in the best rooms, 
the the creatives are giving you are helping you get to the mm-hmm. next step and improve your game. So, you know, I, 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 I liken it a lot to team sports. And because I'm not a sports person, I like baseball. Baseball is the only one I like. And I like it because I, I liken it to theater because even when one person on the team is on the back, that hit is for the whole team. When somebody kills it with the 11 o'clock number, everyone in the cast is excited about it. Hmm. We all feel it. We take pride in it. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing that's that's different with in television. You can be so isolated and you're just kind of out there alone. And I think the beautiful thing about up here is it was a bunch of theater makers. And we all know uh, we all know that a positive environment feeds us. We need that. And collaboration is an is a really important part of the process. So um, I think that's what made it uh, wonderful. And obviously, you know, Tommy is, uh, you know, I have great love for Tommy. And, um, you know, he's at the top creating a, a warm, supportive environment, but also um, May, I have to say, May Whitman, who just led so beautifully, so generously um, with, you know, with kindness and humor and joy. And uh, it was a great experience. I'd really love to hear that. And it's, again, it goes back to the same type of people that you surround yourself with by choice. And and Tommy said something very similar about um, Sonia when I was interviewing the two of them is that like, you know, on, especially in a TV set, it's very easy for something to, for the mood to kind of shift very quickly if something happens or there's a delay or a problem. And Sonia would come in and put everybody at ease. And just and Tommy used the uh, the phrase um, soft hands that nothing yeah. that Sonia wouldn't do anything without soft hands and making I sure that, that everyone was okay and understanding why we were changing things or if we were changing things and it sounds like yeah the entire cast I mean you're talking about Carlos and May and like when you have Lev Stephen Levinson as the executive producer and the showrunner one of the one of the EPs in the showrunner. Um, at the top next to Tommy, who is at the top, like, it seems like it's just so much heart, love and heart for just making heart. good, good, st- good product all around. Right. And then, so everything mm-hmm. is a byproduct. What we end up seeing is a byproduct of just loving what you're doing. Well, I love that. And they better let me dance next season because I didn't get any of the Sonya soft hands <laughs> and I really now want them. But, um, I of course love her work on this. I think it's incredible. And I've been a fan for a long time, but, um, Lev also, Steve Levinson, so collaborative. Yeah. You don't often get that kind of situation in the, in my, in my limited experience, I'll say, of television that you feel like you can, you know, get right in there and start talking about, um, your character or what they would do or, and, and, uh, I feel like he always made time to listen to ideas. And I really, really, whether they were used or not, I really appreciated that. He just made for such a collaborative environment, which I loved. Yeah, it seems like such a good, a a good environment, a great show, 21 original songs. I I mean, you can't ask for more. It's great. Which Um, we, which we recorded before we even shot one thing. I'm sure they told you. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, because you you have to know. Yeah. So you're going in lip syncing to yourself, which I'm sure presents its own challenges. Because I think I can't sing yeah. more, the same thing more than once exactly the same way. It was nuts. I mean, for me, I only had my little thing, my one little thing to sing, but we did like 35 different takes of it. Yeah, just anything you can imagine. 
Uh, sing it like you're screaming in the bleachers at his soccer team. Sing it like <laughs> you. He just he's sitting in a room crying. Sing it like this. We just sort of tried to exhaust uh, all of the possibilities that might come up because we knew this was going to be my little love song for him no matter what. And so we just explored what different expressions of love, ways of expressing that love were possible. And that was actually a really fun day in the studio with Kristen and Bobby. Oh, that's that's so much fun. And um, yeah. real quick before we get to the end, I just want to bring up too that you're that you were an educator too, that you also do master classes, right? Oh, yes. And I, I've taught at uh, several universities, um, a regular NYU. I've been at Pace and Manhattan School of Music, but um, I'm actually a, a teacher, adjunct faculty at Yale University um, right now. And I, I've heard of that. I've I'm heard very, of that. <laughs> I'm a very passionate educator because my mission is always to bring from the field, bring the lessons I learned from the field to the classroom. Sometimes they can feel like two very different things. And um, I always want to, I don't know, I have this crazy desire to teach what I wish someone had told me um, ahead of time. So I really, I love it. And um, it also keeps me on my toes. I love being a working actor while I'm teaching because I have to walk the walk. Mm -hmm. And I love being a teacher while I'm acting because I learn, I take, look at my mistakes differently and I say, okay, what is the lesson in this? What can I give my students from this particular screw up that happened? Well, this thing you, that I got wrong, how can I make my way to right? How do you teach vulnerability? I mean, because you were saying at the, be, at the be, not at the beginning, but you were saying earlier that, that if it's a group of people, they're all vulnerable together. That's what makes the whole company that much better, right? So if somebody comes in and they have walls up and that's, and they don't know they have walls up, right? Like, cause that's just who they yeah. are. That's how, that's how they develop. Like, where do you even start with that? Well, usually I can go to the text and just start asking questions about what is really happening in the text and I learn a little bit more about the person and see maybe if they have anything in common with what's happening to the character or um, if they, or what they don't have in common at all with the character. We just start getting very specific. Um, ultimately, I believe that specificity equals authenticity. It hmm. will arrive. But if you come in with all your walls up, you are, you are in best, at best case doing something very general. And that's not exciting to watch. And because we're in the business of actually playing humans, you have to get as specific as you can about circumstances and characters' wants and hopes and dreams and disappointments. And once you get clear on that, it's like it opens the channel and, and the waters start flowing. Yeah, it's it's very cool. And, you know, it goes back sort of the voices in your head, right? Because if you've got this voice that's telling you you're not good enough or you've got a voice that's telling you you may be better than you are, you have to, you have to face your voices, face your past characters in your lives kind of head on and, and realize what's a good voice, what's a bad voice, and interpret their influence appropriately to bring this authenticity to a character that you may not realize that you have a lot more in common with than you ever initially thought. Yes. And, you know, I guess, if anything, the most important thing I try to bring into a classroom is the idea that you are enough. You are mm. enough. You don't have to put something on, but it's 
of course, it's very easy to say, but even hearing somebody say that to you, particularly someone who with whom you signed up to be taught by, <laughs> you know, I think I think that's very affirming. And maybe no one has ever said that to a person before, but I, I believe that. I believe that we we all are enough. We're all worthy of love and belonging. It's just a matter of trusting that. And I also respect that that trust can be very far away for some people, but that mm. doesn't mean it's not worth pursuing one teensy bit at a time. We're going to take a short break. Stay tuned for more of the episode. All right, so let's wrap up here with three closing questions that I ask everybody. The first one, just very simply, is what motivates you? I mean, making art. <laughs> I really love to go to rehearsal. You know, it'll, it'll be harder for me to get out of bed on a day I don't have rehearsal than on a day I do. I really, yeah. really love what I do. Um, also, hanging out with really bright minds. Um hearing somebody's wit, someone hearing great music. I mean, that, that does, that, that, that thrills me and motivates me and also a challenge. Okay. You're looking at this project and this might be hard. This might be a little harder than you think. Something scares you a little that motivates me too. Hmm. What advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar path? Trust yourself in your own self-education doesn't necessarily mean you have to have all the right teachers for everything. Um, do your research, read, read books. Uh, it's not, it's great that everyone's watching videos, but read books, learn about techniques, learn about what other people do. Be, come to everything with beginner's mind and you will be amazed at how quickly you improve. All right, last question then. If you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what would you see? Once on this island. Original <laughs> cast, LaShawn's. Oh, That's it. I That's my it. happy place right there. Yeah. Do you have that on tape? Do you have any recording of it? Uh, I mean, I have the original cast recording, but also Billy Porter sang The Human Heart at my wedding with the original <laughs> Steve Marzullo vocal arrangement. And with a choir of my friends, including Vicki Clark behind him. Um, it, you know, that's my jam. I mm. just love, I love everything about that story and that original production and Graziella Danielle and, and how she told it and those actors. That's my happy place. I love that. All right. So obviously mm -hmm. we can find you online and on at andreaburns.com. Where else can we find you on social media? At the Andrea Burns on Instagram. And uh, I'm on Facebook too, but not as often, but I'm there. And I'm, um, you know, happy to see you. And thank you for watching up here. And thank you for supporting the theater because we love it more than anything else. Don't we, Alan? Yes, we do. Shared emotional Yay! intimate journeys with complete rooms of strangers is the best. Love it. Agreed. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Andrea. It's been so awesome talking to you. You're so welcome. That was so fun. Um, yeah, I love that you do this. I love how passionate you are. It's that that thing about like seeks like. It's I, you know what you know one when you see one. <laughs> yes, that is. And that I is see true. you. Alan. You see I me. See you. And now to finish off the episode again is the finale of Can I Ever Know You. Make sure to go listen to the soundtrack everywhere you stream your music. Cause I
nice to really know someone. You're a tiger. It's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 